Well, my name is Ron Kuhl, and I am one of the pastors here, and uh, again, it's a joy to welcome all of you here this morning. We're going to continue. We started this back in June, but we're going to continue working our way through the book of Ephesians, and we're calling this series Finding Our Place, and we're up to the end, all right? This is the last major section, the last 10 verses, but we're going to take some time on this, all right? But again, I want to just remind us, this, this is a letter that Paul intended to kind of be read the whole thing through at one sitting, and so it's important as we get to the end that we remember what was at the beginning and how it started off, and Paul said, you got to know who you are, and specifically he means know who you are in Jesus Christ, that you are loved, that you are cared for, that you are safe in Christ, to know that you've been saved by God's grace. Paul has made it clear we are dead in our sins. On our own, we're dead in the water, but God's love for us is such that Jesus Christ died so that we could be made new. We are saved by grace. We've been brought into God's family. We were far away, and now we've been brought near, and so we've been brought into that. And so, you know, it all starts there. Paul says you've got to know who you are. You've got to know what God has done. And, and then he starts to talk about saying, well, now you've got to live it out, all right? Become who you are. Not because you want to make God love you, but because God already loves you, all right? Again, that's so important for us to get. Because of God's love for us, because of God's work in our lives, this is what needs to happen. We need to grow, and we need to, we need to experience unity with each other. We make every effort, Paul says, to keep the bonds of peace. We seek purity, all right? We seek to, to be like Jesus Christ and to fight against sin and to put off the old nature Paul talks about and put on the new nature and so on. We need to be like Christ in relationships. We need to submit to one another out of, out of reverence for Christ. So those are the two kind of major sections. But before he's done, Paul wants to do something interesting here. He kind of wants to pull back the curtain a little bit. He wants to remind us of something else that's going on here. And what Paul wants to say is, you know, you're part of a bigger battle, there's more than meets the eye to this world. You, you see this, and, and you've been talking about this and saying, you know, this is your place. But i got to tell you something. There is a, a whole other world of stuff that you don't always think about, that you're not always aware of. And, and, and it's called the spiritual world. Ephesians 6, verse 12, Paul says this. He says, you know, I want you to take off the old nature. I want you to fight and so on. But he says, remember this, for our struggle is not, and we might add only there, because it is against flesh and blood, but it's not only against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Paul says you've got to understand something. It's not just what you see with your eyes. There is another level of battle going on. There are angels, there are demons, and you need to be aware of them. And so we're going to think about that because Paul wants us to say, you know what, I'm going to pull back. There are, there are powers, there are spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. In some ways, as I was thinking about it, I thought that it might be a little bit of something... There we go. Let's try to get this. There we are. You know, of saying, you know, Paul pulls back and he gives us that bigger picture. You notice Michigan is covered with clouds, so it could have been taken on any day. But, you know, I mean, it's, it's like he's been saying, okay, this is who you are locally. But now he wants to pull back and say there's also this battle going on in the heavenly realms, all right? There's this battle going on between the forces of good and the forces of darkness. And he's going to give us this cosmic picture, this cosmic picture of what's going on and that you and I have a part of. So yeah, we're going to talk about spiritual warfare, and I originally just scheduled this for one week, and then I scheduled it to four, and Thursday it turned to five, so we'll see how long this takes. But I, I think this is interesting, because this is an area for many of us that, that we're not very sure about. This is an area for many of us that we haven't talked about very much, and as we enter into this for the next five weeks, kind of a mini-series within our longer series, I, I want to start by just talking about two reasons. 
Two reasons why I think it's tough for us to think about spiritual warfare. It's tough for us to talk about spiritual warfare and, and why many of us feel like, yeah, this gets a little weird, okay? This gets a little weird. Two reasons, and they're kind of opposite of each other, but they both have an impact on us. The first one is this. Our, our culture is, what I want to say, is primarily materialistic, and I don't mean greedy by materialistic, Okay. When I say our culture is primarily materialistic, what I mean is our culture, uh, the world around us in the Western world, the other parts of the world talk about spiritual warfare, no problem. But we in the Western world, what we tend to say is this world is all there is, Carl Sagan, right? All there is, was, and ever will be. It's just the matter. It's just the stuff. In some ways, we say it's, if something can't be seen, measured, or tested, it doesn't really exist, Right? I mean, the, the world around us just kind of... And, and so in, in other cultures, even 500 years ago in, in Europe and so on, everybody believed in demons. Everybody believed in angels. But now we live in a world where, where people don't. All right? And, and the story that's told... Think about this, right? The story that's told is, well, we've grown up with science. We now know more. And, and, and in a sense, I think what, what's told is that we, we used to need God to explain things. But now we know that everything can be explained rationally. I was talking with a friend of mine once, and uh, he's an atheist. And, and he said, you know, he said, look. And, and I think he, you know, he knows I'm a pastor, and he likes me. And, and so I think he kind of feels like it's nice, Ron, for you to take care of those people who need the crutch. But he said, you know what, we used to need God. He said, you know, people got sick. This person got sick, and that person didn't. And the question was, why? And the answer was, God. The answer was, Demons. The answer was angels. The answer was this. He said, now we know. It's not that. It's who shook hands with who. It's who washed their hands. It's germs. It's viruses. We don't need God to explain that. Storms take different paths. Why does this tornado come across and go through this place and not this place? Knock down this house and not that house. Yeah, A hundred years ago, it's, well, it's just the finger of God. It's, the, it's God directing that thing. And I say, no, it's not. It's jet stream. It's air currents. It's humidity. It's all these other things. And, and basically, we live in a world where the culture around us believes that basically everything can be explained naturally and rationally, right? Everything is, we live in what you might call a, a closed world, all right? We have, we've grown out of believing in angels and demons, and we live in a closed world. And that has an impact on us. Like I say, I mean, it's, it's part of the air that we breathe. And for so many of us, the fact of the matter is, we don't have to think about angels and demons. We don't think about that in the same way. Whereas, like I say, 500 years ago, people were, in general, just very aware of this. And now for us, it's like, if there's a, a situation, for the most part, we say, well, what's the natural cause? We look for the cause within the material world. And so that's, that's this huge pressure on us, this huge kind of situation that has changed significantly, but that I think pushes us to saying, I don't, this whole thing about the, the, the world with spirits and demons and angels and so on doesn't make a lot of sense to us. So I think that's one of the polls on this side. Our culture is primarily materialistic. And, and on the other end, some of us have had pretty strong experiences, but many of us have had some kind of experience of people who become obsessed with angels and demons. You might know somebody who, who, you know, I mean, every good thing is, is the result of an angel, and every bad thing is the result of a demon. And, 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 you know, it's like, okay, so I need a parking spot to go into Myers, and, and, and the person in front of me goes by a perfect one, and I pull in, and it's like, oh, God's angel must have been protecting me, because Lord knows I don't need to walk further than I should, right? I mean, I know people who have said things like that. You know, the God's angel gave me this parking spot. You, really? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry I missed the test, teacher, but the, but the demon of oversleeping struck me 
last night, and I had no choice but to sleep in. Right? You don't buy that. And people who say that, I mean, it can just... You, we, and, and, and so we kind of get frustrated with that. I, I came across a website uh, this past week, a Christian website. This is a pastor, and, and he, he considered himself an expert in demons. And I didn't count all of them. I only counted the A's, and he had 47 different demons whose name begins with A. B was a little shorter, so there weren't 47 in every category, but 47 different demons. Now, again... I believe demons are real, but sometimes when I see people who get obsessed about that, you know, I did go into the B's, and here, this is one that can be really helpful for you. Boyce, it's either B-O-Y-C-E or B-O-I-C-E, is the demon of technology, and he's really busy. So, you know, if your stuff doesn't work tomorrow morning at work, just try to cast out Boyce. Just call on the Lord. I've tried it with our copiers here, and so far it's worked better to call the repair guy. But, you see, but that's... And, and, and so we have these two things, right? And for many of us, we kind of feel like, yeah, I don't want to be over here with this group. And, and I know I shouldn't be over here, but I feel more comfortable. This group feels grown up. This group feels smart, this group. And, 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 and so we get torn. And, and, and we kind of have a tendency to go one way or the other. I think for, for many of us, for me, I know my bigger temptation is the first one. is it, it, to sort of not think about demon and just kind of say come on that just doesn't make yes i believe in god but everything pretty well has a natural cause and that's the only way god works i think it's the primary way god works but still we need to be aware of it c.s lewis talked about this when he was talking in the beginning of his little book the screw tape letters which i would highly recommend he it's it's letters from a senior devil to a junior devil and it's just a fascinating thing but at the beginning of that book he writes this he says there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. Okay, just to say, they, that's crazy. They don't exist. Kind of the materialistic position that we've talked about. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. That obsession that we talked about. And then he writes this. He said, they themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail, greet, a materialist, or a magician with the same delight. It, 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 right? You see, I mean, the devil wants to push. He's either becoming obsessed that everything is the result of demons uh, or, or to say nothing is the result. And, and the devil wants us to kind of go. And, and so what we're going to do is we try to talk about this, is, is to try to come to some, some balance and some nuance. And that's why I want to take a little bit of time, all right? I, 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 one of the, again, the danger is, is somewhat that the story is Jesus. The story is God. We're talking about enemies here, but... But the story is God. And so don't, the, the problem is when we come, the, the story becomes the devil. Because some of us said, don't do that. That's not the story. The story is Jesus, okay? So spiritual warfare, one of the key places that Scripture talks about it is Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. And let me give you an outline of what we're going to do uh, in the next uh, five weeks here. First, this week and next week, we're going to talk about the enemy, verses 10 through 12. And, and we're going to do this in two ways. I'm going to take the time we have left this morning to say, what is the enemy like? What, what, what are the demons like? What, what do we know about them? And, and then the second is, how, how do the enemies fight? Okay, next week we're going to look at what's the strategy? What are the schemes of the devil? And, and, and we're going to read that term in just a minute. But how does the devil fight? All right. Then the next week we're going to start on the armor of God. And there are six pieces of it. So we're going to do three in each week. All right. The first one we're going to look at the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and the boots of the gospel of peace. All right. Then the next week we're going to look at the shield of uh, faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit. And, and I, I kind of want to take time on that to say, okay, what does it mean for
for us to be prepared for spiritual battle. And, and it, I, I will tell you the truth. I've never preached on this stuff. And I just have never preached on this stuff. And I thought I had to make myself. So that's why I want to slow down and do this, all right? And then we're going to end with a, a key place, a key battleground, and that is prayer, all right? That's where Paul ends in verses 18 to 20. So today, we take a look at the enemy. We take a look at what is that enemy like, and here's the text, 6, 10 to 12. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. All right, that's, that's what we're, we're talking about here. That's that spiritual warfare. What is the enemy like? I want to say six things. And, and I think, you know, on the one hand, this is going to be like, well, you're just going to fill our heads with knowledge. I think if we understand this well, you'll also recognize that this can be very, very practical, all right? So six things. The first thing we need to understand about demons and, and so on and, and the enemy is that the enemy was created by God, not created as an enemy. But, but, but it, the story of the Bible, some religions have a story that says evil and good have existed forever and they've always been in a battle. That's not the story of the Bible. The story of the Bible, what we believe, is, is that God has existed forever and everything else is creation. There is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and everything else is creation. What that means is that the devil, Satan, is a creation of God. What that means is that the, a rebelling part of creation, but, but the devil and his demons are all created by God. Why is that important? It's important for me, especially for this. They're not able to be everywhere. Let me just give all three of these. They're not as powerful as God, and they don't know everything, okay? This is not a fair fight. It's good news, friends. When we are fighting the devil, it's not a fair fight because we've got God on our side. And we will ultimately win. And, 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 and so we, we need to recognize that. We, we need to start just recognizing that, that God is bigger than the boogeyman, to quote VeggieTales, right? Those of you who are old enough can remember that one as parents. But right, God is bigger, okay? And, and, and through this all, we need to hold on to that. Those things that attack us, those things that hurt us, those things that tempt us are not as big and powerful as God is, all right? So they were created by God, and second, they were created good by God, okay? They were created good by God. All of the angels, all of the demons were originally created good by God. Demons and the devil, they're all angels who have fallen away from God, okay? So when we get a spiritual attack, when, when something is coming after us, and, and we'll talk more again specifically about how that might work next week, but when we are under attack by the enemies from a spiritual end, that being was originally in heaven. That being was originally good. Andy Banstra, in a, a little book that he wrote called Angels, uh, it's, a, it's a nice little book, talks about five things angels do. And I want to do this because, again, this will tell us kind of some of, of who the devil is because the devil is a fallen angel. So, all right, let me get uh, five things. Try to do this fairly quickly. They, first of all, bring messages from God. That was their intent. Think of Luke 1. An angel comes to Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, and said, you're going to be a father. The angel goes to Mary. Uh, and says, you're going to be a mother. And, 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 and so angels are messengers of God. That matters to us when we think about demons, because that means they can bring messages. That means, again, I don't think a, a demon can control our thoughts, but a demon can, can suggest. A demon can take a temptation and, and make it look really good. A demon can kind of whisper in our ear. So if you think about that and, and want to say, you know, those, the cartoon pictures 
of the a demon on one shoulder and an angel on the other. We can laugh about them, but there's some kind of truth to that because God's angels are messengers. And so there is, I think, there are times when, when demons do whisper, as it were, into our heads. They don't control our thoughts, but our thoughts are kind of crooked to begin with. <laughs> and so they can push and they can encourage and deceive us. So they bring messages, demons obviously not from God, but they're able to communicate with us, all right? And so that's important for us to understand, that, that not everything you hear is from God, but there are other forces out there that can bring messages. Second thing they do is they sing praises to God, and again, this gets perverted, but in Revelation 7, all the angels who are around God's throne and they're praying, again, for demons, they sing praises to their father below. I mean, they, 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 they sing praises to themselves, the third thing, and we'll take a little more time on this one, but angels are there to guard believers. Okay, angels are there. There are guardian angels who, who, who God has sent to protect his people. Uh, Psalm 91, and here I want to read the passage. Verses 11 and 12. For God, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. God sends angels to guard God sends angels to protect us. Now, the devil quoted this. Some of you may know that to Jesus, trying to say, hey, jump off the temple. Jesus says, no, 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 that's not how this works. So don't take this and say, oh, if there are guardian angels, then I can walk across the road with my eyes closed because the guardian angels are going to protect me. They'll stop the traffic. No, God's going to say, no, there's also uh, you know, other forces at work. You don't, you don't presume on that. But, but I do want you to know, there are guardian angels, that just as there are demons who will try to attack you, just as there are demons who will try to mess you up and, 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 and try to hurt you, there are, there are angels who will guard you, who will protect you. Now, again, I think they got more important things to do than get you a parking spot, but who knows? I mean, if that's really good, then whatever. But, you know, so I'm saying it's hard to be balanced and nuanced and, and biblical in this. So uh, that's the first passage, Psalm 91. Probably my favorite is 2 Kings 6, 17 and 18. This is a story where Elisha, the prophet of God, has made a king angry. And that king has sent a whole army of folks to go get rid of Elisha. And Elisha and his servant are in their home. And the servant is going, uh, buddy, it's been a nice run, but we're dead. And, and Elisha says, you know, don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And at this point, the servant is saying, you've lost it, friend. Because one, two, and I can count at least a thousand. And, and then Elisha says these wonderful words. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Okay, so what, what happens here is, is, is the servant's eyes are opened up, and he realizes that behind these armies of man, there are the armies of God. And, and, I, and I just pray sometimes. I just say, God, I wish I could see some of those. Because there are the forces of good. There are good angels out there guarding us. And there are good angels out there who, who will take care of us. Some of you have experienced that firsthand. Some of you have, have experienced that, and, and you know that in powerful ways. But again, that, that sense of, you know, open, our, open his eyes so that he can see. And I, and I think that's a great prayer for us to say, Lord, Lord remind me of your resources when I feel under attack by the enemy, all right? One more from the New Testament, just to say this continues into the New Testament. Acts 12, 6 and 7. Peter is in jail. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. 
that he was under very clear protection, right? Or very clear uh, imprisonment, all right? Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He, the angel, struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. You know, if you came and told me that story happened to you yesterday, I don't know if I'd believe it. And yet, it's why wouldn't I? I, I mean, the Bible, I believe, is the word of God. The Bible is true. I believe what, and I believe this story happened. I believe an angel saved Peter out of that jail. So, now, I don't know how often that's going to happen and whatever, but I, I have to, this is where I recognize just how closed my world can be. And just how much I say, you know, now, again, don't go crazy because there are often natural causes to things. There are natural causes to things. All right, guard believers. We've got to keep moving here. The fourth one, to encourage obedience in believers. And, again, demons are going to encourage disobedience. Matthew 6 is the, the verses here are the Lord's Prayer. I don't know if you know that it includes angels. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Oh, uh, what we're saying is, God, help us to obey you the same way the angels do. God, help us, to, help us to be like the angels are, the good ones who obey you in that way. Because in heaven, all of the angels who are there still obey God perfectly. And so every time we pray the Lord's Prayer, we say, God, help me to obey like the angels. So they encourage obedience and believers, and then they administer justice. They are uh, ministers of God's justice. Uh, Genesis 3, the story is of Adam and Eve getting taken out of the garden. And God puts, some of you may remember this, actually he sent them out to the east. And on the east side, sorry folks, um, on the east side he put an angel and a a flashing fiery sword to keep them from coming back in, to keep them from, and in some ways that's to protect them, but but to keep them from getting back in. And so angels are there to administer justice. So all of these things, and again, demons, part of the reason it's important for us to know this is this kind of gives us what the demons do. They bring message not from God, but from Satan. They worship not God, but they worship Satan. They don't guard believers, they attack believers. They don't encourage obedience, they encourage disobedience. They don't administer justice, they administer torture and all that stuff. And so and knowing what angels do, we get a picture of what, of what demons do. Okay, so they were created by God, created good by God, they were originally angels in heaven, and then some chose to rebel against God, okay? Now, it would be interesting to know exactly how that went, right? I mean, wouldn't it be interesting to, to know the whole story? Someday, I, I think maybe we'll be able to find out. We get little, little possible snippets, okay? What we know is it was led by Satan. There was one angel who led the rebellion, and we know that it probably incur, uh, included about one-third uh, of all the angels. Let me give you, again, a, a series of passages here that, that give us an idea of this, all right? Isaiah 14. And, and what's interesting here is in this passage, this is a prophecy by Isaiah, a lot of symbolic language, but it's against the king of Babylon, okay? He's prophesying against the king of Babylon, but all of a sudden at one point, it feels like he kind of starts to look above that because he says these words. He says, how you have fallen from heaven. Hold on. What are, we, are we talking about somebody else? Morning star, son of dawn, you have been cast down to earth, you who once laid low the nations. Okay, that part seems like the king of Babylon, but how you've been fallen from heaven? Morning star, son of dawn. Now, a little interesting thing here, because some of you, you know, this is good, all right? This is worth knowing. This was written in Hebrew, then translated into Greek, then translated into Latin. The Latin for morning star is... 
Lucifer. Okay? If you get the King James Version out, and if you read that, it will say, have you fallen, How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the dawn. It means light of light. So the question is, is he talking directly about Satan here? All of a sudden, does he move up to talk at that level? The King James people said yes. Newer translations are saying, no, it's first about the king of Babylon and, and, and secondarily, and I think it is secondarily about that because it gives us a picture of rebellion. All right? And so... Um, we get this picture of this, and part of what I want you to see here is just the beauty and the power that, that this one who fell was the light of lights. He was beautiful. He was the morning star. He was the sun of dawn. He was absolutely precious to God. And, and then as we go to the next verses, we see why he fell. And, and, and notice it's going to really parallel if what we know of Adam and Eve falling into sin. You said in your heart... I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the Mount of Assembly on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon, a place where Baal was worshipped. I will ascend above the top of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. But you are brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. Again, I think we've got the king of Babylon, but also I do think we have Satan in mind here. I think we've got two things going on. And I think that in, in, in that line there, I will make myself like the Most High... Very similar to what, what does Satan say, if you remember, with Adam and Eve in the garden? What's the temptation? You can be like God, right? You can be like God. And that was the problem up in heaven with the angels, and that's the core of sin. Saying, God, you're not the boss of me. God, I can handle it on my own. God, I don't need anybody to tell me what to do. That's the heart of sin. That's original sin. It was original sin with the angels, and it's original sin with us. That arrogance that says, I will make myself like the most high. Friends, we are creators. We are creations, not creators. And we are not God. And the most wonderful thing any of us can discover is our place. In God's hands and loved by him. But when we try to make ourselves like God, that is when sin happens, and that is at the core of it. Another place, very similar in some ways, Ezekiel 28, verse 13. This time it's against Tyre, and we read this. Again, normal, 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 and then these words. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Could be just symbolic that you were in a beautiful place. But again, it feels like we've jumped up a little bit. You were in Eden, the garden of God. And, and, and part of this, again, sin is always attractive, Think of how beautiful this is. Every precious stone adorned you, carnelian, chrysolite, and emerald, topaz, onyx, and jasper, lapis lazuli, turquoise, and beryl. Your settings and mountings were made of gold. On the day you were created, they were prepared. You were anointed as a guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. Again, this is stuff that makes you think cherub is a word for angel. And, and, and so is, is God... Through Isaiah, talking to the king of Tyre, but at another level, talking to Satan, saying, You had it all. You were so beautiful. You had it all. And you chose to rebel. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. All right, Revelation 12. We've got to keep moving here because this is a really cool passage. All right. This is, again, a vision from, from John in the New Testament. A great sign appeared in heaven a woman clothed with the sun 
with a moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Okay, this is not a literal picture, but it's a, it's a symbolic picture. So what we have is a woman who, who's clothed with the sun, feet with a moon underneath it, and she's going to give birth to a baby. There's another sign. Then another sign appeared in heaven. An enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its head appeared. All right? Um, this we're going to read at the end is Satan. Okay? So we've got a woman giving birth. We've got Satan. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them, from the, from, uh, flung them to the earth. So this is where we get the idea that it was probably one-third of the angels who were part of Satan's rebellion. Okay, this is, is, again, it's symbolic. That's why we say it seems like. Uh, I I think it's probably the case, but it's fairly symbolic, so we have to be a little careful of that um, and and swept a third. Now, the other thing to remember, if one-third were were fallen, I'm not a math major, but that means how many were left? Two-thirds. Cool. (laughs) Cool, okay? Remember that. Remember that. (laughs) There are more with us than are with them. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour the child the moment he was born. Woman getting ready to give birth, dragon ready to eat it up. She gives birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. That's Jesus, okay? So the dragon wants to eat Jesus, who is born. She gives birth to a son who will rule over all the nations with an iron scepter, and her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. We kind of go from birth to ascension, okay? It's revelation. It can do that. All right, and and, and so the child is taken up into heaven. The child is safe, all right? The woman, the woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. I think that's three and a half years. I forgot to check for sure. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels, i.e. the good guys, fought against the dragon and the dragon and his angels, the bad guys, fought back. But he, the dragon, was not strong enough, and they, the bad guys, lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. That, that story gives us a picture. Now, again, it's hard to figure out all the timing, right? Because this sounds like Satan was thrown to earth after Jesus was born. and So that's where you've got to say it's revelation and it's apocalyptic literature is the big word for it. But, but we get the, you know, again, Satan was part of it. He was thrown down to earth. About a third of the angels, that, that was this thing of, of rebellion. Three more, and we're going to go fast here. That's okay, though. They're very smart, very powerful, and very attractive when they want to be. The, the danger of us, I, I think they can be very ugly. I think that's their core. But you've got to understand, again, the, the, the morning star, you heard those, you read those descriptions. Satan, when he shows up in the Garden of Eden... Uh, you know, it's not like Eve and Adam say, ooh, gross, what happened to you? Right? Temptation always looks good. And, and, and the first strategy of the devil is going to be to try to lure us and, and to say, you can be like God. You can be beautiful like me. You can be in charge. And, and that's going to be the first strategy, and we need to recognize that. And, 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 and they're powerful, not more powerful than God, but more powerful than us. And, and they're smart, okay, but they don't know everything, all right? Um, just kind of FYI on this one, they, they probably have ranks, but we don't know them. 
when, when it's a little sign for me. If somebody starts to say, oh, yeah, this demon is a you know, private first class. This demon is a this. We get an idea there are ranks, but there's no system of it in the Bible. If anybody's talking about that, they're going way beyond the Bible and just kind of pull back and say, That's, we don't know that, okay? So just they, they probably do. And, and you can see where this becomes obsessive for some people. It's like, oh, I want to know all these names. I want to know how this all works. It's so cool. And, and then the final thing we need to know about them is that their goal is to destroy God's work. And, and here we go back to Revelation 12. When the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child, right? I can't get the child. I can't destroy God. I can't destroy Jesus. I can't destroy the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit. I can't get them, so I'm going to go after the woman. And whether that's, that's a hard one to figure out, but I'm going to go after the woman. He spews a river of lava out of his mouth. But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river the dragon had spewed out of its mouth. Can't get the child, can't get the woman. And this is where we are introduced to spiritual warfare. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commands and hold fast to their testimony about Jesus. Okay? So you got, you got, I mean, the, the basic picture is pretty clear. There's a, a woman giving birth to a child. That's Jesus. Jesus is safe. The woman is safe. The dragon is enraged, cannot get what he really wants. So he's just going to do as much damage, as much damage as he can to the one he can't destroy. And guess what? His first choice of damage is you. It, it is to get you and I involved in addiction. It's to get you and I involved in sin, it's to get you and I involved in, in all sorts of things, and to ruin us, and to ruin our testimony. The, the dragon is, uh, Satan is a dragon, and an angel who is, is not able to, one of my brothers had, a, had somebody who, who had to let go of from a car dealership, and this person who didn't have any recourse against my brother, two weeks later, about a hundred cars were keyed. Could, could, couldn't get him, but I'm going to get those things. That's spiritual warfare. That's what Paul is talking about. Our struggle is not only against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. All right? Their goal is to, is to destroy everything God is creating. Their goal, and we are the target. And that ought to give us some concern. Not fear, but concern, okay? Concern. Next week, we're going to talk about what are the strategies of the devil and his minions. Um, you know, but as we close, I want to quote from a hymn that's been going through my mind all week. This is My Father's World, written about 1900 or so. Multi, uh, Bab, Multi Bob Babcock uh, wrote it. Um, it's, this is My Father's World, the third stanza. Some of you could probably sing it right now. But this is My Father's World. Oh, let me ne'er forget that though the wrong seems oft so strong, God is the ruler yet. This is my father's world. The battle is not done. Jesus who died shall be satisfied, and earth and heaven be one. Though the wrong seems oft so strong, God is the ruler yet. And, and so as we fight these battles, and as we talk next week about saying, okay, where have you experienced this, and how does it, what does it feel like? What does it look like as we get more specific? We must always remember that though the wrongs seem off so strong, God is the ruler yet. Let's pray together. Father, this is a lot of material to cover, and uh, just pray that you'll help us to take home what we need to take home and to just, uh, yeah, be ready for this battle. Lord, for some of us, 
we, we haven't really thought about this. We've just assigned natural causes. And maybe we need to pray in certain ways to protect our families, to protect our kids. And so, Lord, we just pray that you will um, send your spirit to teach us, to guide us, remind us that you are still in charge, and then teach us to put on the full armor of God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.